You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the BetQL Network live all this week leading up to the big game from BetMGM Sportsbook at State Farm Stadium. Just a touchdown throw from the site of the big game presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Aaron Hawksworth, Paul Aspen with you. We are live in Glendale, Arizona, and it's amazing because the lead today is NBA. Uh, We're staring at State Farm Stadium. It looks like a beautiful day. The sun is out here in Arizona. And of course, NBA steals the show. I want to welcome in Yaron Weitzman, NBA writer for Fox Sports. He joins us now in Yaron. Quickly, I want to get your reaction because I know we were just so excited last night sitting around a fire pit when the news broke. What were your immediate thoughts when you found out about Kevin Durant heading to the Suns? Um, it was uh, kind of curt. It was like, oh, what's that bleep? Like, why'd I fall asleep? I, I have a busy day ahead of me. No, I, don't know. <laughs> I, kinda, I got it. You guys are better than me. I'm also on the East Coast. So I, uh, you know, I, I have young kids. I'm washed. So I was asleep. And I woke up at 7 a.m. and was like, oh, my God. Uh, I'm a little confused because it seems like, you know, this would be my analysis. It seems like the uh, the Kyrie trade, the way they, the package they got from the Mavericks was one that a team gets if they're trying to still compete. It sort of seemed like they got two rotation players in uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. And it felt like they were going to try to reroute some of those picks to try to get another uh, player in who could help. And that's, again, those are, that's the deal you make if you're committed to staying competitive. This Kevin Durant deal is one you're making if you're hitting a reset button. Um, so it's, it's that part's a little confusing to me. You're wrong. We were all we were grabbing a couple of drinks as a network, so we were kind of like, "What the bleep?" I guess we gotta go to sleep and get ready for this show tomorrow. But <laughs> um, as far as the Kevin Durant, like he requested a trade during the summer. So why why did this not happen then? Was it always inevitable? Like, would there have been a better deal out there? I guess. I mean, it seems like a pretty good return for the Nets. I guess why. Was it inevitable this whole time, and why did it not happen to play Monday morning quarterback? Why did it not happen then, and why is it happening now? Just everything involved with that. Uh, the answer is Kyrie. The answer to everything here is Kyrie, right? Like, why did it go bad? Why did it Kyrie, 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 right? Um, that's the answer. So the Nets decided that they were – and I actually, you know, in the – this, again, goes back to what I said before. In the summer, they made a decision that, you know what, Durant's going to ask out. We're we going to pretend we're – you know, I guess they technically uh, feel it offers, but the way the packages they're asking for, it's never going to be met. Um, and they kind of bet that, you know, we're just going to run it back and we're going to give it one year and hope that our talent and <clears throat> things come together in a way, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, allows us to win. And once winning, here's everything, right? And I just don't think they fully accounted for how uh, 
the way Kyrie would nuke everything. Um, and him demanding out and him playing chicken with them and telling them that he's not going to play after the trade deadline if they don't keep if they don't trade him, things like that. And I think they just that was it. That was it. So you're asking why? I basically Kyrie called their bluff, pushed them all in, and they lost in that game poker. So real quick with Kyrie, I mean, how long till he nukes this thing in Dallas? Uh, I mean, what what you can what we look at? We got two years usually. Is the uh, if you go back to um. Well, Boston, it was the last year in Cleveland when he said he was going to get the Eastern Group if they didn't trade him uh, to Boston. Boston, he was that one that one year of a honeymoon period before he destroyed things there, and out and kind of acted like a mess, uh, turned into a mess. Um, and Brooklyn, it lasted about two years also. And I know part of it was this pandemic, which no one could predict, obviously. That's a once in a uh, century generation event. But I also think we've seen enough with Kyrie that. Um, you know, it, it, you don't need a pandemic to have issues to for him to create drama and kind of choke the franchise, right? With like this fog that hangs over it. Um, so how long? I, I have no idea. I I can't make predictions with him. I will say sure. this: like his opening press conferences, press conference, it does seem like it, it does seem clear that he was a little spooked by the mess and or felt like he had to be on a certain behavior, acting a certain way to get a contract and. He stopped kind of acting or speaking the way he's comfortable speaking. And his opening press conferences in Dallas, he seems very comfortable and feels clearly feels free, um, which I guess is what they would say they want. But I don't know if you want that. So how long? I, I don't know. Let's see what happens in this playoff run, right? Right. That opening press conference with Kyrie was wild. I was like, is he delusional? What am yes. I listening to right now? Um, being overshadowed a bit, the Lakers were finally able to get rid of Russell Westbrook. Um, there were reports that Russ and uh, Darvin Ham were yelling at each other a couple days ago. So, um, And also kind of an interesting situation with D'Angelo Russell back with the Lakers. What was your assessment of that situation? Um, that the Lakers have decided that, you know, they're not really going for, that they want to be good. They don't want to stink, right? They're, t- they're tired of being basically garbage. Um, but they, they're kind of, they swung and they cashed in their assets here for a team that's going to be fine, but not a championship team, right? Um, so again, part of it is just, the, the original Westbrook trade, it just, it just destroyed them in so many ways. And you could see that this was kind of, Fixing that, um, they're going to be better. If you looked around their roster, part of the issue was they didn't like after LeBron AD, the amount of legitimate NBA rotation players they had. Like I was talking to somebody in the NBA, we were talking about the Thunder during the game. Uh, LeBron, um, the game he set the record. You're saying, okay, you know, the first three, if you divide these two rosters up, the Lakers and the Thunder, right? So if you divide these two rosters up, um, you take the first three picks, LeBron, AD, and Shea. How many more picks would you go before you took another Laker guy? Right, just they don't. They didn't had the roster was so thin. Now you add D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. These are legit NBA players with legit skills who fit better with this team. Um, they're going to be better. Uh, I don't. Part of me though thinks that you probably should have um, held on to the two picks and tried to get something bigger. That maybe the two unprotected first round picks that are giving up one and try to see if you can win a championship. But let's see what happens here. I think I would say they're going to go after Kyrie also in the summer as well. Joined right now by your own Weitzman, NBA writer for Fox Sports. Also wrote Tanking to the Top, the Philadelphia 76ers in the most audacious process in the history of professional sports. So your own, you take the Nets out of the mix in the East. Does, is the Sixers the team that most benefits? I mean, they still got, I'm a lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan. I've got no, I've got very much trust issues with. Embiid's health in the playoffs. James Harden just in the playoffs. 
and Doc Rivers in the playoffs. <laughs> what I mean, are they the team that benefits the most? And just how does the East shake out as the Nets obviously take themselves out of the mix as a potential, you know, playoff thorn in some of the top team sides? Yeah, you got the uh, you got the two. I mean, the three teams at the top: Boston, Milwaukee, and. Um, Philly, I would, I, I don't have it now. Milwaukee, since Chris Milton's come back, I'm trying to look up. They've won eight in a row. Like basically, when Chris Milton's on the court, they're back to being the juggernauts. Um, so to me, there, I would put them both, a, a, you know, a notch ahead of Philly. Um, but it, I would not be surprised that any of those three teams came out of these. I think those teams are all really good. I know that Philly gave bad. And Philly has some, uh, I won't say demons, but there, there's some. Uh, tendencies with some of these guys harder than indeed doc maybe the playoff performances aren't always there mm-hmm. um so i understand the weariness but to me those three teams are all great just looking big picture i know sometimes you know we can overreact with these trades and things like that but is there like a team like a, the nuggets or you know the warriors that maybe people are overlooking with all this excitement that we just saw happen at the trade deadline in the west like we shouldn't count those two teams out, right? What is your take? Could one of those uh, teams still be better than, you know, what we just saw with the Suns or the Mavs? Um, the Mavs, I would have. The Suns are going to be a juggernaut. That's ridiculous uh, for some of uh, KD, Aiden, uh, Paul, and Booker. Um, the Nuggets are awesome, though. I mean, they're in first place. I, I hope people aren't overlooking them. They're for first place and four and a half games ahead of number two. Mm-hmm. And Nikola Jokic might be the best player in the NBA. Um so, yeah, uh, I wouldn't overlook that. The other one to keep an eye on is Memphis. Also curious to see if Memphis does something, um, does something before the deadline's over here to kind of try to bolster their team a little bit. Now they have a shot, maybe try to go after OG Ananobi, who is somebody you could try to guard Durant a little bit. So I'm curious there. But those are the teams. Yeah, I mean, if you're overlooking Denver, you're not paying attention. <laughs> and then just with the Warriors, I mean, obviously some a lot of injury issues, slow start to the season. If they get in, I mean, is this – whether it's playing, I mean, looking like playing right now, or the sixth seed, like are they are they still dangerous? I mean, what if the Warriors? I guess complete the sentence. If the Warriors are healthy, they do what in the playoffs? God, I mean, I can't around making this team because, like, if you look at them when they're healthy, they have some really good numbers. Yeah. Uh, you know, plus minus numbers. The starting lineup has some good plus minus numbers. Um, and yet, there's always something weird about it. But also, I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs, right? I have no idea. Like, to me, I'm still surprised that when Steph came back, like, they didn't reel off, you know, nine out of 11 wins, one of those kind of streaks. Um, so, yeah, the answer is, like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost in the opening round in the play, and I wouldn't be surprised if you told me they're representing the West in the final, right? Yeah, and then one more for you. Is there, are there any teams with the Durant trade going down? Are there any teams kicking themselves being like, man, I wish that could have made a similar deal or like, oh, we should have pushed harder for Durant whether it was over the summer or now? The one I'm looking at, I don't know. I'm curious to see. I made my own call and what the reporting is on the federal. Uh, New Orleans is the one because they have the picks and they have the young players too, right? Uh, Brandon Ingram's better than anyone the uh, some game, but Brandon Ingram's like Daniels, they have those picks struggling i'm curious if they look back and say we didn't you know that was the missed opportunity that'd be the one who i think could have gotten him if they wanted to i'm a little bummed because i had bet the kings to win the pacific division and got some really good value so i guess i just donated my money there now with kd on the suns but what's been your overall assessment of this kings team and the job that mike brown has done there in sacramento 
Yeah, they've been great. Uh, you know, Fox has been fantastic. I don't have them you, but like, I, people who care look up uh, his clutch shooting numbers. They're insane. Um, uh, yeah. Sabonis has been really good for them. It's, it's been fun. You know, the Sabonis Halliburton trade seems like one of those true win win ones, which is enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's been great seeing a team. Like, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Their offense is unbelievable. It just shows it's been fun to see a team, you know, how if you put guys in my position, you add some shooters. Like, they stole Kevin Herter from the uh, Atlanta Hawks. Um, you know, Mike Brown's a defense guy. So, I think they're, I don't know, I think they're like their 22nd defense or something like that, which is not good enough. But they know that. I expect that to keep climbing. Um, it's also a good lesson. You know, we all killed them about the Halliburton trade. But I think they clearly knew something. One, that the Broncos fit well. And also, that probably De'Aaron Fox. You know, it was almost like they traded Halliburton for Sabonis and an upgraded version of De'Aaron Fox, right? That if De'Aaron Fox had more room to operate, he could shine. Um, and it seems like that's really, that was a really great, great trade for them as well. Awesome. Jeroen Weitzman, NBA writer for Fox Sports. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know it's a very busy day for you, and we really appreciate your insights um, after the trade deadline. So hope you have an awesome day, and thanks again. But this is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. My good friend and mentor, Bill Krakenberger, professional better, joins us next for two segments. And we're going to pick his brain on his best Super Bowl bets.